Welcome everybody to the Extra Credit Show. I am Anselmo Moreno. And I'm Richard David. And we are back again with another episode of helping you guys master your credit score so that you can get that extra credit that you deserve. And we're talking today all about proper credit repair strategies that will help you raise your score and help you maintain your freedom. None of this uh, 609 loophole that you see out going around the internet crazy stuff man so if you guys uh, are tuning back in want to give everybody a warm welcome back you know last week we talked about credit repair strategies that will land you in jail we really i mean we want to call those scams because people are scamming people and with the promise of helping them raise their score some of them promises actually deliver but they can also deliver you to jail we touched on that last week but this week we thought it would be amazingly appropriate to touch on strategies at work that will keep you out of jail and that will raise your score and really you know i'm glad you brought up the section 609 because that is the biggest load of crap i've ever heard um and strangely enough encountering things like the section 609 baloney is what really kind of birthed the show right this show here was birthed because of stuff like that that we would see on the internet because everything you see is on the internet now and if you guys are not familiar with Section 609 and the credit repair loophole that they're labeling this, there's a lot of people out there in the internet world that claim that Section 609 of the Fair Credit Reporting Act is a loophole and that it requires the credit bureaus to produce documentation with your signature in order to report something on the credit report. And as I was watching the video, because it's a video on YouTube, some of them actually like bring up language of section 609 and then i was like what like there's this the language they're bringing up is like legal language that says the credit bureaus have to have um documentation first of all most of the videos i've seen the language that they're placing on the video it's not on the section 609 of the fair credit reporting act nowhere does it say exactly verbatim what they're writing for you so that's your first clue as to how phony this is. All you have to do is look up the section. Well, I remember just like staring at the video, like, when did I miss that section? Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, that does not sound familiar because I've actually read the whole thing front to back many times. Yeah. And I was just like, that doesn't sound familiar. So we literally busted out the book and looked at section 609 like, holy moly, did we miss something? This here is the Fair Credit Reporting Act. Now, obviously, a lot of you aren't going to go and just read this, but if you chose to do so, the Federal Trade Commission can supply you with the book. For free. For, exactly. Uh, so if you want to, take a look at it. Look up Section 609. You'll see that no, nothing that's written there is actually in the section. It's all made up. Like They just made up the Section 609 stuff that they're claiming to um, say is a loophole. Which is and kind so, of what we were touching on last week where it sounds legitimate. It sounds great. Yeah. But it's really not. Yeah, it's just made up language that sounds neat. Um, and it's... Just, it, it, it it benefits their agenda. It benefits what they're trying to accomplish. So you Just know. to make a quick buck. And I think that like that that's what started credit repair, right? Back in the day, um, people would just kind of write these beefy letters, these letters with strong language or, or threatening language, and creditors may fold. Creditors may, may be scared by it, and they'll go, oh, wow, this sounds legit, and maybe we are breaking some form of law, and then they would maybe comply, or it would work. Um, and, and, and so I think that the landscape has really changed. And, you know, it's we are now in, in the era of hyper compliance or over compliance by the creditors, especially if you're a big bank or a big debt collector that has already been hit with maybe fines or lawsuits from federal regulators for not operating. He's correctly. looking at you, Wells Fargo. 
you know, Midland Funding, right? NCO Financial, like oh, all of these companies that have been hit with big, big lawsuits from federal regulators. Does NCO now, even exist anymore? I think so, huh. maybe. Uh, but they're in hyper-compliance mode, meaning that they've developed departments within their organizations that all they do is comply with the laws and make sure that their operation is strictly in compliance with the law. And if you send them a letter trying to quote these crazy laws, like their compliance department is going to read it and understand that, no, you know that's not correct because all they do is comply with the law. So they're going to send you a letter right back. They'll attempt to. Well, Correct. But they're going to send you a letter right back saying, no, you're wrong and we're right. And so you can't bully your way into credit repair anymore. You know, it, it has to be grounded in in facts. And, and so we want to talk about just legitimate credit repair strategies that you guys can do starting now to help improve your score and, and you know, help you actually understand the credit repair process as it is now, as it is applicable in today's day and age, um, because there's so much crap on the internet right now. And, and a good example of that is the section 609 apparently loophole that is actually just baloney. Now today, we're gonna give you the basic sections, the, the basic information on how to dispute. Uh, in further episodes, we're gonna give you the most advanced courses. So stay tuned, keep listening to us at the Extra Credit Show, and eventually you're gonna learn most of the tactics for disputing because as we were kind of discussing how we were gonna what we we're gonna talk about in the show we realized that there's no way that we can spend 30 minutes on this because it's, we would just be here all day oh so, yeah um, impossible so we're gonna try to keep it concise try to keep it clear for you guys so just jumping right in you know the definition of credit repair or as most people understand credit repair to be is just all right let's make some letters up and send them to the credit bureaus right and and i want to start with the intent of credit repair the intent of credit repair is to remove negative information from a credit report. That's How correct. you accomplish that, you know, is really, that's the meat and potatoes of the strategies behind credit repair. So, so you know, as stated, we're going to be sending out letters to the credit bureaus. The intent is to get the credit report, credit bureaus to report accurate information because ultimately it's your information that's being published or sold to banks and lenders and creditors or employers. And so to make it fair, they need to be reporting only truthful information, which is, you know, difficult to come by nowadays. Um, anytime you apply for a loan, uh, some individual may m misspell your name. And when you apply for credit, it gets reported to the credit bureaus as something completely different. Therefore, the beginning tactic is sending a letter out to the credit bureau, simply challenging that which you know to be false or erroneous. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think one of the things that misleads people um, is, is, is credit repair operators will use um, certain like, oh, we can, you know, we'll, we can deal with judgments or bankruptcies or, or you know, foreclosure, short sales. And they'll use all these big words that charge offs that, that consumers will will say, oh, I have one of those, or I got a judgment, or I have a charge off, or I have collections. And, and so they're, they're, they're confusing the, that with the fact that those things can be deleted from the credit report. And, you know, those things can all be disputed from the credit report. Whether they can be deleted or not is a different story. That is and, correct. And credit repair strategies start with auditing a credit report, making sure that you're looking at the report and that you recognize the item on the credit report. So the basic anatomy of a credit repair dispute letter, right, is really simple, guys. It doesn't have to be super fancy, okay? It's just simply a written letter, right, that has your name, your address, 
right? And then the date and then the person who it's going to, really simple stuff and a brief summary of what you're disputing and why you're disputing and what you want them to do about it, right? So that's essentially the basic anatomy of a credit repair dispute letter. When you send this letter out, make sure you send enough uh, proof of your identification. You, they need to know who you are. You, more than likely, you're not the only individual with your name in the United States. So you need to give them a valid driver's license, possibly a copy of your social security card, or maybe even your most recently filed taxes so they know that you are who you say you are. Right, because they are not going to conduct an investigation unless they have every reason to believe that you are requesting it. And, and you know, they're handling millions of files of information every day. They're moving a lot of data. They're, they're going to make mistakes. Um, so you want to be persistent and you, you, you want to give your dispute letter the best chance of working by providing all that information up front. Because if it, you don't, then they're going to write you back and ask you for it. Um, but the biggest credit repair myth um, is that if they don't respond with 30 days, you win. <laughs> I think that that right there is probably a, a big myth when it comes to actually get, getting into the trenches of the credit repair um, tactic is you write them a letter and if they don't respond within 30 days, then you win. And that's, it's really difficult to measure because you have to be able to prove that they received the letter number one. Um, so obviously sometimes we advise clients to send it certified, certified mail. If you're disputing something and you're putting this letter together, send it certified mail. Especially if you're time limited. If you need something done quick, you're in the middle of a big transaction, like a mortgage transaction, and you know something's erroneous and you need it done quick, definitely send it certified mail. No questions asked. Yeah, absolutely. So now what happens if they don't respond within 30 days? Or, or like, how do you know they didn't respond within 30 days? Because the bureaus have never sent certified mail back, so you can just pretend you didn't get it, right? Like what what actually happens if they don't respond within 30 days? In truth, nothing. Um, nothing <laughs> yeah, happens. Nothing. Um, now you could send them another letter and explain to them that you didn't receive uh, your first disclosures as re required by law, but all that's going to do is force them to send you a yeah, it, it can, you know, really, so you send the letter, 30 days pass, you don't get nothing, or you just make up that you didn't get nothing. Regardless, there's really no consequence to the credit bureau at that point that you can actually employ. Maybe if you sue them, you know, that's a technical, technically a violation that they've done of the law. But you'd need to prove that but they received something. Exactly. So, or you need to prove that they didn't respond. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of a gray area. It, it sounds really neat. It can benefit someone's agenda of like, they didn't respond within 30 days, you win. But technically speaking... Um, there's really no leverage there, right? What we would do if we don't get a response within 30 days is actually just send a follow-up letter advising them that they are technically in violation and that we demand that they respond quickly, you know, within 15 days, not take up the whole 30 days anymore. So we kind of try to advise them that we are watching it and we are monitoring it and we want them to respond, you know, but there's really no automatic win if they don't respond in 30 days. Yeah, and if they if they don't respond to your second request, that's when you start escalating the matter. But that's a that's a topic for another day. Yeah. Uh, let's get back to the basics. The, to, to back to the letter, yes. right? Would you recommend that a consumer um, go online, type credit repair letters, and pull one of those letters and send it off? No, no. Um, the only legitimate dispute is one that you're going to make yourself because only you know what's erroneous and what's not. And you're gonna know the reason why this uh, dispute or this account is erroneous. 
what a lot of people don't understand or what these companies that are trying to sell you the 609 loopholes or whatever, what they don't tell you is that if the credit bureaus deem your dispute frivolous, they can kick it back to you. They don't have to actually conduct an investigation. And so if you just start spitting out random disputes that you found online, um, it may not work. It may cause them to just forget your file. They, like they don't even have to open an investigation uh, as to your request, mm -hmm. right? There's language in the Fair Credit Reporting Act. That uh, section 611. That specifically gives the credit bureaus the right to kick back a dispute if they deem it frivolous. And a lot of things can deem a dispute frivolous. Um, one of the most common ones is they've already investigated it before. So section 611, paragraph 3, subparagraph A, it pretty much tells you that if they find your dispute frivolous, that they do not have to conclude an investigation and they, they'll notify you within five days. So don't just start disputing everything on your credit report just because it's negative or, you know, or if you get a random letter that you find on the Internet that you think sounds good, don't do it. The credit bureaus have seen and, and they understand the language of the Fair Credit Reporting Act probably better than anybody simply because they're, you know, they're operating in that space every day and they get these letters every day. And some of these letters are very commonly used simply because they sound good, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I've, I've learned in 12 plus years of credit repair that the stronger the letter does not necessarily mean the better the result. Meaning that in this day and age, you can't intimidate the credit bureau anymore into complying. You, you got to hit them with facts, right? You can't just scare them because you, you're quoting some laws. They, they already know them. So really, it's all about creating a concise and factual dispute, not just disputing everything, saying none of this stuff is mine. Because what actually happens within the dispute process is the credit bureau receives a dispute and then verifies the information with the creditor before that verification process was very sloppy. But now it's pretty tight. You know, there's been a lot of legislation that has happened that has actually um, forced the credit bureaus to, if you have any documentation to prove your case, the credit bureaus have to provide that documentation to the creditor. And so it's a lot tighter now. So you have to be a lot more factual with your disputes and not just sloppy saying all this stuff is not mine. And I think that the if you if you're claiming a 609 section dispute, asking the credit bureau to provide you with documentation that this account is your like the credit bureaus don't have to do that. I'm sorry. Every time I hear that section 609, I just I get a giggle out of it. It just it's so ludicrous. I, I can't believe that people just try to pull this tactic off. But I guess it works. You know, if it sounds good, it works. Right. Well, you know, it, 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 it may not work for you if you think it's going to work for you because nothing, it, the credit bureaus don't have to send you documentation or proof that the account is yours. That is that's, correct. That's the myth, right? So if you're asking the credit bureau, hey, I see this collection on my credit report, send me proof that it's mine. The credit bureau is not bound to have to do that. So, you know, they can just ignore that request, send you back some template letter saying we don't have to do that or, you know, just not do it at all. Um, so that request is best directed at a debt collector that and then we correct. have a different set of rules that governs that that's the fair debt collection practices act and that's a federal law that governs what debt collectors have to do when re re requested um when you ask them for request like is this account mine is this account not mine prove it right the debt validation process when you're asking for validation correct um and again you can get this for free from the federal trade commission um, those of you that are in California are lucky because you also have another set of similar laws called the California Rosenthal Fair Debt Collection Practices Act, 
which encompasses not only debt collectors, but any creditor or, or entity engaged in collection practices. You know, funny story, um, the, those, the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act and then the State Fair Debt Collection Practices Act um, are very similar in scope. They kind of provide very similar protections. But if you send a debt validation request to an original creditor, we've had it where the original creditor has responded back saying, we're original creditors, we're not bound by this law, so go kick rocks. And we're like, uh, but we're in California, so you're bound by the state law. So no, you go kick rocks and send us validation because you're bound by this state law. So California consumers have this extra layer of protection where not only do debt collectors have to provide debt validation, but we can go after original creditors to provide debt validation. And that's really cool. Not everybody in the United States has that state law to protect them. For those of you that are wondering if your state law has this extra protection, simply look it up. Um, if you're watching this show, you're probably adept to looking things up because hopefully that's how you found us is you, you were looking for some resources on credit repair or just some resources on credit scoring and hopefully you came across this show. Um, so hopefully you are able to look these things up because the Fair Credit Reporting Act, the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act and other similar consumer protection laws are in place to help you, but you have to understand them. You know, you, you can't, in, in 12 years of credit repair, we've understood that we can't help someone more than helping them understand the rules, helping them understand how to play the game. Because once you understand the credit reporting game, you're able to preserve your credit score, you know, play it correctly so that it benefits you and not having to consistently and always be trying to repair your credit. Exactly. You know, so that's really the way that, that our approach is, is educate, 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 help the consumer master their credit score. Well, that's the premise of the show, right? That's exactly what the show is all about. So, so moving on to more, you know, that's the, we've touched a little bit about credit repair tactics on going after the credit bureaus, having, you know, there's this, that's really basic credit repair, right? That's what most credit repair um, companies are doing is they're just engaging in the dispute process, but it's really, really basic at its core. I mean, that is, that is super basic. And I think that the question really comes up is what happens after information is validated? Well, that's a tricky, that's a tricky concept because just because the credit bureaus initiated an investigation with a creditor or collector and they get results back from the creditor or collector, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's been validated. They may say so, they may have taken the steps to supposedly validate it, but that's not always the case. Creditors and collectors can lie. But what are they validating uh, in, on, a, on a request to the bureau? They're so what is the bureau validating? That you are a person in their system, that there is a debt for this supposed person in their system, and and that the balance is, you know, whatever whatever it says on the credit report. And they're hopefully matching a social and a date of birth, right? Yes, but not necessarily. Uh, accounts don't have to be on your credit report through a social. Um, they can place it on your credit report if they just find a matching address and a, and a matching name. So really the, the request then to the bureau has to be super specific saying, I don't believe this account to be mine can you confirm the social security numbers? That is right? correct. So now you've made a specific request, like we mentioned earlier, that the credit repair letter doesn't have to, it needs to be very specific, very factual. I'm disputing it for this and I want you to do this. So I don't think this is mine. Include, can you verify the social security number? Remember, 
You may have someone else in the property that you live in with the same name, such as fathers and sons, juniors and seniors. So uh, accounts get mixed up all the time because of that. You have to ask for the social as well. Right. And so and, and when the most, the most common credit repair um, tactic is th this is not mine. So then the credit bureau is just simply trying to verify if the information is matching. Does the name match? Does the address match? Right. And they're, they're literally looking at addresses that you've had on the report and do they match the addresses on the creditor side. Right. Okay. And, and so that, that match is made really easily. Mm -hmm. Even if legitimately the account is not yours, it's pretty easy to make the match because maybe it's identity theft. And if it is identity theft, that means all the information is going to match because they're using your identity to do it. Exactly. So moving back as to what do you do after an account has been validated? Well, this is when you actually start talking to the collector or the original creditor. And this is when this law comes into play. See, the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act, it's a little stricter in that they can't just say that the information matches. If you ask for it, they have to provide proof. They have to provide documentation that you agree to take on this debt or be liable for this debt. They have to provide proof that the charges they're trying to collect from you are accurate. You know, where's the itemization? So the next step after an account has been validated or verified by the credit bureaus is going directly to the collector. Show me your actual proof. When, when, you're, when you identify an account on your credit report that you want to go after, this account is maybe incorrect, you disagree with it, then you know you want to consider going to the source of the information, which is the creditor reporting it. The credit bureau technically is just a messenger. Mm -hmm. They're just compiling all the data of all the messengers, which are your creditors, onto a report. And so you, you always have to end up going to the source when, when the going gets rough. You yes. know, if the dispute originally at the bureau did not work, then immediately step two is to go directly to the source. And a lot of people don't do that. No, a lot of credit repair companies don't have the ability to do that because they're just, they don't know how. A lot of clients that come to me uh, give me the same spiel. Oh, well, I was with this company for a whole year and you know I paid them so much money and my credit's not fixed. And I'll ask them, well, what did they do for you? Well, they disputed these accounts. Okay, well, what happens after these accounts got verified with the credit bureau letter? They just told me to keep disputing over and over <laughs> and over again. And I asked them why. What was the purpose for it? Not a single one of those clients can answer me. Going back to demon at frivolous, you can dispute that account until your printer runs out of ink. <laughs> Unless you have a compelling reason for them to redispute it with facts. They're not going to redispute it. They're just going to kick it back as a frivolous dispute. And now you've just wasted a round of disputes. If you're paying for it, you just wasted money. Well, more importantly, you wasted your time. And you wasted your time. I mean, you know, you can dispute something for seven years and it'll come off because it's seven years old, not because your disputes worked. And so you have to be very tactful and understand that the credit repair dispute process really should be a very short lived process, you know, potentially. Um, you can request that the credit bureau reinvestigate an item, but you have to know why they're going to reinvestigate it. And and then after that, you have to go directly to the source. If something new comes up at the source, at the creditor, then, then you can request that they reinvestigate it at the bureau because you have new information that you've just gotten back from the source, right? For example, you dispute something at the credit bureau, verified. So then you go to the source and then they don't respond. Well, now you have new information. The source didn't respond, so you go back to the credit bureau 
and say, hey, these guys aren't responding. How did you get them to respond because they're not responding to me? Correct. And now you have a really solid dispute and the credit bureau will very likely remove that item from the credit report for non-response or as bound by the Fair Credit Reporting Act, you can ask them for the method of verification that they're using. And that method of verification dispute is, is a really good credit repair tactic to use, but you have to use it on the third month or the third dispute round because you can't go in right away and ask them for their method of verification. And all that is going for is tell me who you verified it with. I want the phone number and the name of the person that you verified it with because they're not responding to me. And so, you know, there, there's there's levels to it and we want to build up to it. By the way, um, just, to, just to throw something in there, um, if you dispute online, it is possible that the credit bureaus through this law, it's section 611A8, they actually don't have to provide you with uh, their means of how they verified. Don't dispute online. Um, it will take away some of your protections, believe it or not. And so, you know, so understanding all this stuff is, is um, you know, I don't think that you guys necessarily want to read the books front to back and understand all the language, you know, because some of the language is not, it's not in plain language. This no, is, this is law. Legal jargon. So, you know, but it's really about understanding like that this is complicated, that mm -hmm. it is not something that um, someone can do on the side or out of their house. You know, we are dedicated professionals to this. We study the craft and not only that, we practice it every day. So we kind of understand exactly where the shortcomings are. So when we see me misleading things or misleading credit repair tactics, it, it really bothers us. That's the whole reason why we started the show. So we've really, you know, we're going on 25 minutes and we've really only been able to talk about debt validation letters to collection agencies and how to properly send out a credit repair letter to the credit bureau. But there's just so much more because it all starts here. You know, it all really starts with going after and asking them to validate information on a credit Well, it's report. important that you know where to start off with. You have to have a solid foundation for a dispute in order to be able to progress. If you don't have a solid foundation in the, in the knowings of how it works, then anything else you do is not going to be uh, valid or legitimate. Um, and this is why it's so important that you understand it begins with a dispute letter, but you have to dispute uh, with only accounts that you know are erroneous. Don't just throw random disputes or throw out dispute letters left and right until the the ink runs out. Um, know that the dispute letter, once you get the results from the credit bureaus, is not the end of it. You can go to the collector and you can ask for proof from the collector. And that's where the myth for the 30-day uh, came from, you know, if they don't respond with the 30 days. That actually is a law that's quoted under the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act. It specifically says the validation period is 30 days. That's very true. And that, I mean, you know, that's how myths probably are born all the time is they just kind of mix things up. But there, there now there is um, consequences to the debt collector if they don't abide by that. Correct. So, you know, if the credit bureau doesn't respond in 30 days, nothing really happens like we mentioned. But if the debt collector doesn't respond in 30 days, there's recourse. There's definitely recourses there. And so, you know, there's those different like little details are very important in understanding in the credit repair process. So I like how you, you know, you brought up the, the credit repair on the dispute letter. You know, and we, we talk about disputing only accurate thing or inaccurate things, right? You have to be able to identify what's inaccurate of, of the item. And it, the, like we've been talking the whole show about the most common one is not mine and therefore you shouldn't use that. 
when you look at a trade line on a credit report, it literally has about 30 different fields of information from the name of the creditor, the address of the creditor, the account number, the data was opened, the last data was reported, the data last activity, the balance, the high balance, right? So there's so many fields of data within the trade line that understanding what each one is and then knowing that each any misinformation on any one of those fields can technically be grounds for a dispute. Now you're being factual with your disputes. Just a good example would be the date of last activity, right? I that, see that all the time. So if you see that and then they're, they're reporting a day, date of last activity that you're like, that doesn't sound right. Here's my favorite one. Date of last activity, January 2015. Account open, February of 2017. How is that even possible? Now you have grounds for a good solid dispute right maybe the account is yours so if they try to match the name and the address and the social maybe that information matches so now your dispute is closed out but if you ask them about the dates and the discrepancy in the dates now they got to really get down to the details and figure out why they're reporting incorrect dates now you have a much higher success of that account being either corrected or deleted, which is the name of the game in credit repair, mm -hmm. from the credit report. So those little details and understanding that just because the account, you technically recognize it, but if you look at all the fields of data, now you have many reasons to dispute. And if one month you disputed the account, and then you see the account again, and you're like, well, that account number doesn't match my records, now you have another grounds for a redispute, and now you're going on a factual dispute and not just a generic, this account doesn't belong to me, dispute that has just been proven time after time to not work. So I'm really glad that you brought that up because you want to dispute inaccurate information, but you want to identify why it's inaccurate. You, you know, the account might belong to you, but they can still be reporting inaccurately, right? Oh, especially with usury. You know, just because you know you owed AT&T $200 doesn't mean that the collection for 1000 is legitimate. And that's when the debt validation game comes into play. Mm -hmm. If that account gets validated on the initial credit repair tactic, now we want to go after AT&T and the debt collector that they've either hired or sold it to for them to identify that the balance is correct. This is the name of the game when it comes to debt validation. Number one, how do we know they've identified the correct consumer, right? If you have a common name, they could have people that they've misidentified the consumer, meaning that, you know, if it's Joe Smith, how do we know it's the correct Joe Smith? There's a ton of Joe Smiths. Prove to me I'm the Joe Smith that you're coming Maria after. Maria Sanchez. Maria Sanchez. <laughs> any common name, right? Or just really any, gym in, in, any name in general that can be applicable is prove to me I'm the correct consumer, number one. Number two, on a debt validation, you, you're really requesting that they itemize the balance. How did you calculate the balance? How do we know that it's $1,100? And you have the right for them to itemize how they got to $1,100. You know, a little known fact is a debt collector a debt collector cannot add their debt collection fees onto a balance. Correct. So if in the itemization, there's a collection fee line, you, you can dispute that. So, you know, how do I know it's me? How do I know the balance is correct? And number three, my favorite one, how do I know that this collection agency is, has the right to collect this debt? That's right. How do we know they didn't just buy this debt or make it up? You know, NCO Financial is not Verizon Wireless. So how did they get the account? So, you know, you have the right for them to validate that they are the correct party that has the legal right to collect this debt, either by assignment or by purchase. Doesn't matter. They have to prove to you that they have the right to collect the debt. So right there, you just demanded three serious pieces of information from a debt collector 
that they have to comply with. The difference, guys, is that the debt collector has to do it. The, the credit reporting bureau, Experian, Equifax, or TransUnion, they don't have to do none of that. And so right then and there is where credit repair, you know, it can separate a good credit repair strategy from a bad one. Because if you're just going after the bureaus, you're spinning your wheels after month, maybe even months two or three. You know, if you're going after the debt collector, you got a 30-day timeline with teeth and you got a lot of pieces of information that they have to validate. There you go. So, I mean, boy, we can we can continue going. Well, and we will in another episode for the advanced. Uh, right now, we just gave you the basic premises, and that was a lot of information just for the basic premises. So imagine what we have for you in store in, the, in future episodes. So keep listening, uh, all you viewers out there uh, at the Extra Credit Show. And uh, as a special little extra for you, we're going to be sending you a link of just uh, our credit repair uh, dispute letter, just so you know the basic premise of what a legitimate dispute letter should look like. You know, really, we're going to have the link on our website. So if you go to theextracreditshow.com, we'll have a link there that'll give you just free access to our the, the our most uh, our most used letter for credit repair, mm -hmm. so that you guys can have access to it, and that leads to our extra credit task of the week, ah. right? Go on our website, get that letter, and send some disputes on your own, right? I, look, obviously, if you're here, you already have access to your credit reports and dispute something on the credit report. I think one of the easiest things to dispute for beginners are personal information. Yes. Right? Okay. So you look at the report and see if there's any variations of your name or any old addresses that you don't use anymore. Sometimes we see even variations of dates of birth and social security numbers, phone numbers. Dispute all of that information. Places of employment you've never been at. Previous employers, correct. And, and, and then... Wait, obviously they'll respond and then see what the, what happens with the personal information. Guarantee you guys are going to be able to get all that information removed from your credit report. And that's actually a credit repair strategy because once we remove addresses that are tied to some old negative accounts, it makes disputing those old negative accounts in round two of a dispute process much easier because now they don't have those addresses to validate those with. So there you guys go. This is the Extra Credit Show. I'm so happy that you guys are still here with us listening to our show. We really appreciate it. Definitely share the show with everybody that you guys know can benefit from this information. Like us on Instagram if you don't like us yet at the Extra Credit Show and follow us on Facebook at the, at the Extra Credit Show as well. Guys, I am Anselmo Moreno. And I'm Richard David. We'll see you guys next time.